Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. I think I get the award for coming the furthest to go to church. I came from Lubbock, the home of the Texas Tech Red Raider, Big 12 baseball champions. Really? Nothing? <laughs> All right. A lot of people not going to heaven in here. That's cool. Uh, man, I'm glad to be here. It's, it's always fun to get to uh, leave your church <laughs> and go preach somewhere because you can go to their church and tear it up. You don't have to fix it. It's up to the pastor to, to fix it, to take care of it, man. Uh, but we're proud of what Jared and, and Shelly are doing here and glad to be a part of it, man, and, and want to help any way we can. Uh, I just want to bring some encouragement to you. Is there anybody here that says, you know what, Todd? I've, got, I've been way too encouraged. I don't need any more encouragement. I've had it up to here. In fact, if you speak life into me today, I'm just going to leave the church and I'm never going to come back. Anybody got too much encouragement? How many of you could use a good word today? I need about five people to help me. I said, how many of you could use some encouragement today? Now, you may sit on Pastor Jared, but you're not going to sit on me. You're going to preach with me. You're going to learn today. Okay? You're going to learn today. I don't like a quiet church. If I want a quiet church, I go to a cemetery. Jesus said that I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. So when we come to church, man, you forget all the hell you went through all week. You forget what you had to come over. And when you get here, this is your refueling station. You lay it all out on the floor and you say, God, if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't even be here this week. You've got a fruit basket, man. And you empty that thing out all week and you give it out. And when you come to church, you fill it back up so that you can go back and give it back out. Amen. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about you and your roommate. It's about others. It's always been about others. Jesus was all about others more than he was himself. So when Jared called to tell me to come, uh, asked me to come, actually, he was at my 20-year anniversary. We just celebrated. We're a church plant, just like this church plant. And I want to encourage you. We're 20 years old, so you can make it. Come on, somebody. You can make it. Second year is the hardest year. How many of you got kids? See here. How many remember about how bad your kids was when they was two? Mm-hmm. Somebody said, my kid's 15. They still bad and stuff. Uh, but when they're two, man, they're terrible. They call it a terrible twos. Them kids is bad. They're baby's kids. You don't want to take them nowhere. You can't go out and eat nowhere. People turning their eyes at you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you're like, I can't go home with them. I got to stay in this restaurant. If I go home, they're going to kill me. Come on, somebody. And so y'all just going to have to put up this with me. Uh, we just got to get along together. And, and, and while you're rolling your eyes, won't you just throw a word of prayer for me? Because <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? And, and so that's the way it is with the church, man. That second year is a difficult year. But I don't say this to brag. I don't say this to impress you. I say this to tell you how good God is. Amen. Easter, we had over 1,025 people at our church. 
We had over 100 people give their life to Jesus Christ. 52 of them were kids under the age of 10 years old. That never gets old. Come on, somebody. That never gets old. But it takes diligence, and it takes persistence, and it takes doing it when you don't feel like doing it. And you serve when you don't want to serve. And you come to church when you don't want to be at church. Some of you here right now, like, I know what you're talking about. I'm going to be here right now, bless God. And now that you said it, I'm thinking about going home. And hold on a little bit. Let me, let, let me give you a little encouragement. But I put this message together about three weeks ago. And uh, my life is totally different today than it was five weeks ago. My dad passed away five weeks ago. And my dad is my hero. My dad is the most amazing man I've ever met that walked the earth. And so ministry has been a struggle for me because he helped me plant the worship center. He helped me put that together. But I know that at this time, it would be easy to sit down in my pain, and it would be easy to sit down in my brokenness, or I can choose to be about the master's business and realize that if I keep doing what he's called me to do, more people get to meet my dad when we all get there. Come on, somebody. And so that's what it's all about. But I put this message three weeks ago, and ironically, I told Trish when I did this, I said, this is what I'm supposed to do at Jared's church. Ironically, I preached this message for Mother's Day. And so when I roll this out, you're going to be like, what in the world does this got to do with me? Somebody say, stay with him. I see y'all getting better already. Place got a while ago. Y'all didn't say nothing. So you're at least awake, you know. Elbow your neighbor, punch him in the nose, say, stay awake. I not really? <laughs> y'all got a crazy church. There's people face punching people and stuff, man. Bless God. If you got your Bibles, go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to start. I don't know if y'all got the free Bible on screen or not. Uh, it's a cheat sheet. You ought to have it because not everybody carries the word. If you do, you carry it on your iPhone, or if you don't love Jesus, you have an Android, you know, but look, Apple, and I know what you're thinking, that's what got Eve tripped up, but if it hadn't been for the Apple, we would have never had the story of redemption, y'all not ready for me, it says 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8, one day Elijah went to the town of Shunem, a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a room for him on the roof and furnish it with a table, with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. I want to stop there and just give you a side note. If God decided to give you what you've been praying for, have you made a place for it to, <laughs> have you made room for it? See, because a lot of times we go around asking God to do things, and when it shows up, we don't know what to do with what we asked for. Huh? You ever got something for Christmas or got something for your birthday? You're like, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. Then you got it, and you're like, this is a piece of junk. I wish that I asked for something different. When God shows up, you better be prepared for what you're asking for or you'll miss the blessing that it's supposed to be. Yeah. Amen? So you got to make room for it. One day, Elijah returned to Shunem, and he went up to the upper room to rest. His servant, he said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. 
When she appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elijah asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? And Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband's an old man. They didn't have none of them blue pills. <laughs> Y'all not ready for me. I can see this. Y'all, they couldn't even do a bathtub commercial. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Y'all seen them two people in the bathtub looking out into a, like, a garden? Like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they have to get a bigger bathtub for me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want two independent ones. I want one big one. Y'all not ready for me. I'm telling y'all. That's why we got kids church, so we can have grown folk talking here. And so uh, what can we do for her? She doesn't have a son. Her husband's an old man. Call her back again, Elijah told him. When a woman returned, Elijah said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. Not sure the exact moment, sometime next year. Somebody say, about next year. year. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Be sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at the time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. One day when her child was older, he went up to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there, dropping down to verse 32. When Elijah arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him, and he prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elijah got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and stretched himself out on the child again. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elijah summoned Gehazi, said, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elijah said, here's your son. Here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son into his arms and carried him downstairs. Now, I'm not going to keep you long today. I'm just going to pull out a couple things, and then I'm going to get out of here. But I believe what I'm going to give you is going to give you some hope, and you can leave better than the way you came. Amen? Now, you may look up here, and I know I look white to you, but I grew up on the east side of Lubbock. So when I preach, I preach like a black man. And I'm just believing for the Lord to, to have the pigmentation to show up. I can see y'all. I, is it okay if I preach like this? I, I, I mean, I, I think you already here. You did the hard work. You got your butt up out of bed. You here, you might as well fake it till you make it. Amen. So let's get into this thing, but I'm not going to be here long today. How many of you know that there are complete differences between men and women? I'm telling you, bless God. I mean, big, big differences. And you can see the irony of the sense of humor when God takes two things that are absolutely, totally unlike one another 
And then he gets them and he brings them together and he says, become one. It see, it's amazing to me how something so natural can be so difficult. Sometimes even when it makes sense, it doesn't make it easy. And there's nothing more natural than a man falling in love with a woman, but there can be nothing more different than living with her. I know you men can't say amen right now, but you could just dab like that, you know, uh, throw me a head bob and I know what's up, you know. Um, on the way home, somebody's going to look in the mirror and just put the rear view mirror down. I know what you're saying, preacher, but, uh, but just because something natural doesn't make it easy. And there are many differences between men and women. Like Eve didn't come out of the ground. She came out of Adam. And that's a major difference in how they both started their lives because God pulled Adam out of dirt and said, here's a garden, tend it. So Adam woke up, and when he woke up, he had a job, he had a purpose. And that's why men can get so devastated by a bad economy or get depressed and lose self-esteem and, and their identity begins to spiral out of control if they become unemployed or their business isn't profiting the way they thought that it should profit because men are very connected to what they do. But when God made Eve, he pulled her out of Adam, not out of dirt. And that's why men are different because each one has the other's missing parts. And that's why marriage is two becoming one flesh because God pulled female out of Adam, watch this, because Adam was made in the likeness of God and God needs nothing outside of himself to reproduce. So God made Adam in his likeness and in his image and Adam needed nothing outside of himself to reproduce. And, and God said, it ain't, look, Adam was so busy doing his job, he didn't even know he needed a girlfriend. God had to tell him, hey, you need a woman. Men tend to be tied to what they do Women seem to be tied to relationships. Eve was born to Adam, not a job. Women, women need healthy relationships. Yeah. Men don't have a ton. You know why? Because y'all made us watch Housewives of whatever city one time. <laughs> you watch that show one time, you go through a whole bottle of Xanax trying to watch that show. Them, <laughs> them people on my nerves, they mad because they got the same... Uh, color of lipstick on and, and, and fingernail polish. I'm like, that is too much drama right there. You need to flip that. And, and Trish come out there, and, you know, and I, I guess she'd be watching Housewives of New York. And she's, hey, yo, what's, what you talking? Yeah, yo, yo. Turn the channel, girl. Don't come in here like that. You better put some, better put some tenor back in that. Never mind. But one of the differences between men and women is women get to carry children. Now, men did it the first time we gave birth to Eve. But I guess we didn't do a very good job because God didn't let us do it no more. Or men's too big a sissy, which I'm good with. I'm good with a woman having baby. I, I'm in the girl. Push, girl. Push. Do what you got to do because if you, if you tap out, that might need me to help, and I can't do it right now. And he, he didn't let them do it anymore. But I don't believe there's anybody in this world that loves their children more than I love my son. But Trish has an affinity with Hunter. That is my son that I will never get to enjoy because even though I did my part, she's the one that birthed him. Yeah. She felt something kick before I could even see it. Yeah. She was immediately connected to something that I still wondered what he was going to look like. Yeah. Now, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I wanted to see what he was going to look like before I went and tell everybody I had a kid. Right. <laughs> 
You ain't never seen them people that don't know their kids is ugly? They try to sneak up on you and look at each other. Oh, dear God. You know, like, is y'all trick-or-treating or what? Is, is this Halloween? No, that's my baby. Oh, my bad. My bad. I had no idea. Oh, let's pray over him right now. And, um, but I wanted to see what he's going to look like before I went in. Hey, that's my kid right there. And, and I wish I had a picture because he's a good-looking dude, man. And, and uh, uh, you know, hey. So... Uh, you say, Todd, what does being a woman have to do with anything with the exchange church? Because planning a church is a lot like carrying a baby. Planning a church is a lot like being pregnant with something. And your pastor gets to feel it kick before any of you got to see it. And your pastor gets to feel the morning sickness and the pains and the things that everybody else is calling joy. But as you moms know, there's not a whole lot of joy when you're bent up over a toilet. And you're wondering if you can even make it through the day. And then you go to the grocery store hoping to buy groceries, but you walk by the meat market and the smell kills you. And you can't even be in normal places anymore. Things you used to do. It's not as easy to function in anymore because something has changed. And all of a sudden, what used to make sense, what was just what you used to just do is all of a sudden became more of a job than you ever knew it would become. Are you here today? And so in this story, stay with me on that thought. We read, you got to understand that whenever God wants to do something, it seems to me like God has a way sometimes of letting things tarry before it shows up to look like what it's supposed to look like. Nine months seems to me like a long time to see what my baby is going to look like. But without that nine months, that baby wouldn't be healthy. Two years may seem like a long time for the church to look like what it's supposed to look like. But how do you know? Because none of you have ever been here before. If you've never been pregnant with a church plant, you don't know what healthy is supposed to look like and when it's supposed to get there. I've got other people tell me it's nine months to have a baby or however long to have an elephant or have a giraffe. I could go look in that. And, and, but nobody knows what, when a church is supposed to arrive. Nobody knows what it's supposed to look like. We just sit and wait. And while we're waiting, we do the things we're supposed to. We eat healthy. Oh, my God. We stay in the word. We remain faithful. We don't abort the pregnancy even though it's inconvenient. We don't give up on the promise even though it seems difficult. We stick to the task. Why? Because we birthed it. It's in me. I carry a joy by carrying this seed. And so this woman... In the word, she's not a poor woman. She's a notable woman. She's a woman of great resources because she built a room in case this dude show up. Now, look, you know you got money when you could add on to your house in case some company comes. That's a reason for me not to add on. I don't want nobody staying with me. I like to run around in my underwear and eat Doritos in my living room. Y'all not. 
And when people come over, you got to get all dressed up and stuff. Can't let your belly hang out. You got a bunch of like just, you know, people like, y'all dignified in this church. I, come to Lubbock one time. Let me break it down for you. And come to my church. You'll be like, this church is raggedy here. My God, I, they let anybody up in here. But she built this room just in case the guy came by. She said, we'll build it. We'll furnish it. It'll be your room anytime you want to come. And Elisha, not just wanting to receive, but also wanting to give back, says, you've been good to me. Is there anyone I can talk to you? Is there any kind of favor that I could do for you? And she says, no, I dwell among my own people, which means I have pretty much everything that I need, everything that I want. But Gehazi, Elijah's servant, gathered something from her voice that maybe she wasn't telling the whole story. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that when somebody asks you how you doing, you just said, I'm good, I'm fine, but on the inside, you're not really good and you're not really fine. Yeah. But that's just what we say because we don't want to inconvenience people. Right. Right. I, I, I think that's kind of what we're hearing, and, and, and you're not fine because there's something missing. There's something that you thought would happen by now that hasn't happened. You've got an empty space, something that you've given up on. You may have had a promise, but you gave up on it because it didn't show up when you thought it was supposed to show up. You got stovetop problems, but you want microwave answers. Are you still here this morning? And Gehazi said she's got no son. In other words, that's probably the difference in her voice. She didn't have complete joy. Maybe she thought about having a family, but when the family didn't show up, when she thought it was going to show up, she gave up on it. She's got an empty space. There's a void because the word woman means man with a womb. So she's got a voice where there, or, or, or void where there ought to be a seat. He said, and when Adam woke up, you remember when, when Eve got made, Adam was asleep. When Adam woke up, he... He looked over in the garden. They was both naked. And when he woke up, I said, oh, sookie, sookie. Turn out the light. Mm. Light a candle. Y'all ain't ready for me. Y'all don't know who Teddy P is. Get out of this church right now. So, so he woke up and he looked over there and she was butt naked. And Adam said, whoa, man. I don't know about you, but when I roll over and I see my girl naked, it makes me want to praise the Lord. I'm just telling you that that's God's gift. <laughs> Somebody's got, I can't wait to get married, bless the Lord. It's God's gift, man. And he said, she is me, and she came out of me. And she has the ability to carry something I no longer have the ability to carry. So this woman had an empty space in her life, and here comes the man of God. And he points the finger and he said, around this time next year, is it amazing how much a difference a little bit of time can make when God gets involved? Wouldn't it be great if about this time next year, I don't know who I'm talking to, but would it be great if about this time next year that some of your situations are different than they are right now? 
Wouldn't it be great if about this time next year there were some situations at the exchange that were different than they are right now? Can I encourage you? Though the vision tarry, wait for it because it shall come to pass. Somebody give God a good shout of praise. He speaks the word of the Lord right into her empty place. And everybody here in their life has areas where you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. But you also have areas of your life where it seems empty and barren because of what you thought you were going to do. Or what you thought was going to happen. Some of you have been praying about some things that, that you expected to happen. Some things by, by this time in my life, I thought I'd be here. Yeah. By, by this time in my church plant, I thought it would look like this. Yeah. By this time in my marriage, I thought we would be here. Yeah. By this time in my ministry, I saw the vision. I had to dream. I got excited about it. But it doesn't look like anything that I was, thought it was going to look like at this stage. And you have empty spaces. And if you're honest, you have unfulfilled expectations. And if you're really truthful, which a lot of church people don't like to be truthful, you're angry with God. You're disappointed. You love him. You talk to him, but you're mad at him. I, I, I know you can't, you know, acknowledge that because then people will put you on blast and know you're real. But underneath that Mary Kay and all that other stuff you got on, the real you, underneath that Wonder Woman suit and that Batman cape, nobody knows that you're upset <laughs> because you come to church and you wave. You smile on your face and nobody knows you're devastated inside because it's not happening the way you thought it would happen. And the word of God, watch this, doesn't come where you're full. Because when you're full, you don't need the word of God. You need the word of God to come fill your empty spaces. And God always likes to find empty space because that's where he can put a word and get fruitfulness out of your barrenness. I'm talking to somebody. Can I prove this to you? You say, preacher, that's a great thought. Let me prove it to you. The Bible says the earth was void and without form in Genesis and darkness was upon it. You know that was saying it was nothing but empty space. There was nothing there. It was an empty place. And God said, let there be waters and skies and let there be trees and, and animals and, and, and let there be stars and, and, and moon and sun and, and let there be light. And God kept saying, let there be. Go back and read it. Let there be. And let me show you another thing. I'm going to drop this on you every time it, it, it says uh, on the first day, and he said, let there be light. And then it says it was evening and morning. And then that was the end. And then it goes to the second day and, and whatever he did on that day. And it says, and then it was evening and then it was morning. And then that was the end. Every day of creation, it says it was evening and then it was morning. And then that was the end. Why are you telling me that preacher? I'm telling you that because when God started creating, he created in a dark time, but it couldn't be over till the show. Till the light broke through. Come on, man. And when the light broke through, he said, this is good. Come on. So what are you saying? Some of you may be in a dark season right now, but hold on. Don't give in. The light. Joy is coming in the morning. Can you hear me? 
Well, you got to believe it. You, you can only receive what you believe. You better believe that this morning. And so he, he said, let there be. And that means whatever is opposing it has to happen when God speaks a word. Let. You have to physically quit doing what you're doing. And it has to become what. It, the word went into an empty place. And wherever you have empty places in your life, you have to get God's word to fill that empty place. Because the only way to get something in a womb that is barren is to put seed there so it can bear fruit. Now, God's word is so powerful. Let me show you something else. All you need is a seed or a word. Listen to me. All you need is a seed or a word. Somebody say seed. seed. Oh, you're getting better. You're getting better, Pastor Jerry. They're getting better. You better bump your chest on this. They're getting so good, man. Watch this. Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the first day. The second day, he separates the heavens from the earth. The third day, he makes the trees and the plants. The fourth day, stay with me, watch this, Genesis 14. Then God said, let great lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them mark off seas and days and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on earth. And, and, and that's what happened. God made these true great lights, the sun and the moon, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. Watch. God didn't make the sun and the moon until the fourth day. But the Bible said on the first day, God said, let there be light. And it was so. How can you have light if there's not even a source to produce that light? There's no sun. There's no moon. It's not there. It's just God said it. Because when God speaks a word, it has the power to create and sustain itself without the evidence of the source. My God. See, listen, you don't need the evidence to have hope. All you need is a word this morning. All you need is a promise. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but the source may not be where you can see it. You might not can see the cord. You may not see the light bulb, but don't waste time worrying about how it works, start praising God that he made a way where there seemed to be no way. My God. He said, let it be light. Don't stress. If God said it, that settles it. Quit wasting your time pacing the floor, crying yourself to sleep over a word that God's already promised. It was in a boat. Jesus storm shows up Jesus disciples freaked out there's a storm oh my goodness he don't even love us how can he sleep in the middle of this storm does he know what's going on in here I know none of y'all never cried like that but for the real church folk not even though, not even though I'm alive and we up in the lightning's flashing and the thunder's rolling. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Jesus gets up. He doesn't rebuke them, he rebukes the source of their fear. But you know why Jesus stayed asleep? Because he told them when we got in the boat, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. Let's don't get in, go halfway, and freak out. 
I'm talking to somebody. Let's don't go halfway and freak out. I gave you a word. The storm didn't change my word. The chaos doesn't change my word. Are you still here? It didn't, I'm still who I say I am. So Elijah comes. And he speaks directly to the place of her pain and her emptiness. Her response is unusual, truly. Talking to a man of God, she said, don't you lie to me. Now, see, the, some of you may not love reading the Bible. And the reason you don't love reading the Bible is because you don't put yourself in the story. Because I'm in this story. I can see a woman telling him right here, don't you lie to me. Don't you come up in here. In this house. Trying to tell me. My grandma was from the south. She come from South Carolina. She would say, don't bring no muddy shoes up here on this porch. Y'all can't say that on the way home. You, you, you younger generation don't know. Hey, mud, what's a porch? Any, so um, that's where grown folk play dominoes. Boom! Anyway, so uh, <laughs> y'all not ready for me. I can see this, man. She said, don't lie to me. Don't you come up in here with that. See, we have a way of letting a dream die on the inside. Do you know what she's saying? She's saying, how dare you make me hope again? How dare you get me excited about something I already decided to let go of? How dare you cause me to have faith again? I've already put this dream to rest. I buried it. I let it go. I grieved. I had the funeral for it. Even though it was a desire. Some of you here this morning, even though you had the dream, you had the prophetic word, you had the promise, you've given up on it because it didn't happen when you thought it was supposed to happen. And you said, preacher, don't you come up in this church trying to get me to have faith in something I've already let go of. I've settled into the fact that my years of productivity have left me. And this dream's never going to come true. Don't you come in this house and make me start longing for an ache that I've already got to calm down on the inside of me. Don't you tease me with a prophecy that might get my hopes up after I've already given up on the fact that this is going to happen. Don't you encourage me that our church can continue to grow in this second year when we seem to have gone down instead of go up. Don't you come in here trying to encourage this pastor. Don't you get my hopes up. Don't you get my dreams up. We've already decided this is the best that it's going to be, and we're okay with that. But the moment you say, I'm about to let this thing go, God busts on the scenes, and it gives you a reason to hope again. Have you ever got mad at God because he caused you to have faith when you was ready to give up? Frustrated. Why do you want to make me believe again? And this woman who loved the man of God so much that she added on to her house is now questioning this man that she once had confidence in. I wonder if Pastor Jared still knows what he's doing. I wonder if Pastor Jared 
is still being faithful to the things he started with. It's amazing how we can start questioning the leadership we trusted not long ago because things aren't happening the way we thought they would happen. It's amazing how fast we'll give up following something or someone that we knew God called us to when cracks in the foundations begin to happen. The whole time wishing somebody would support our dream, but nobody supporting your dream because it's hard to reap what you don't sow. It's hard to reap what you don't support. You're praying for God to bless your thing, and you've given up on the thing. And she's mad. You know why she's mad? You know why some of you may be uncomfortable with what I'm saying today? Because the man of God's trying to make a dead thing live, and she's mad about it. Don't you lie to me. Don't you give me no hope. I've already come in an agreement. And see, that's the problem. We come in agreement with the lies of the devil more than we do the word of God. It's easier for me to believe what the devil says than it is for me to trust God. And the word went right into her barren place. And she had a son. Let me hurry. And it's wonderful when you've carried something for a long time and then you get to see it. Because I remembered what my church looked like when I only had seven people in my mama's living room. And last week we got to preach to almost 775 people. And I told them, I wondered what you would look like before you got here because I saw you. I just didn't see your face. (sighs) And this is 20 years from the time God told me to start the worship center. And for 15 years, I only ran 200 people. But I remained faithful. See, when, when you have something on the inside of you, The devil will put things on the outside of you that tell you the thing on the inside of you is not going to make it. And he'll make sure you see something that contradicts the word that you've heard. So so you have something that you've heard. Come on. You've had something that God spoke to you that God said your life is going to produce. But the enemy brings all kind of obstacles that you can see. And finally, the obstacles stay there long enough that the thing you heard begins to die. And the thing outside of you begins to come your reality. And the thing on the inside of you seems like it's a liar. But I came to tell you today, it's not the thing in here that's lying to you. It's the stuff that you're seeing that's lying to you. Because that thing on the inside of you, God spoke. And God is not a man that he can lie. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what your circumstances are. God is not a man that he can lie. How do you know? Numbers 23, 13. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. God hadn't even changed his mind about you. You know that you failed since he spoke that word to you. And even he knew you was going to fail when he gave you the word, but he still hadn't changed his mind. Oh, my God. Don't you, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfilled? I received a command to bless. He blessed and I cannot change it. 
what you see standing in front of you is temporary. And it has to move in the name of Jesus if you'll just speak to it. She has a son. Son begins to grow. Bible doesn't tell us all this. I'm almost out of your way. He gets old enough to go to the field to work with his daddy. Out in the field, he has some kind of brain aneurysm. Has to be that. Says my head hurts. He passes out. And, and when I was younger, when I started off preaching, I was mad at this dad because this dad seems like a deadbeat daddy. Huh? Look at it. Kid passed out on the ground. Dad said, hey, pick him up. Didn't do it, mama. That's a sorry daddy right there. I mean, pass that on the floor and, you know, take him to his mama. But now that I'm older and I read this passage, I begin to understand what the father was saying. Because, see, when, when, when a father can help when their kid's in trouble. A father can help when his son doesn't have enough strength. A father can help when his kid doesn't have enough money. But the boy is dying. He said, take him to his mama. Because whenever something is dying, you need to take it back to the one that birthed it. Because when you carry something and you birth it, you're less likely to let that dream die. He didn't birth that thing. He knew he wasn't going to pray over his son like his mama was going to pray over him. Are you still here? See, see, the endless struggle you have as a church planner is you try to get everyone to love your church as much as you do. But no one is ever going to love the exchange like you do, Pastor Jared, because you birthed it. You've been over the toilet. You had the morning sickness. No one will ever love it like you love it. When, when, when times get tough in the early years, because my church, when I built it, was way outside of town in the middle of a cotton field. And everybody said, ain't nobody ever going to come to church out there. You're the dumbest people I ever done met. I can't believe you're so stupid, Pastor Todd. And I said, okay, you just watch and learn, watch and learn. All eyes on me. Anyway, so I told here it comes. Now I'm surrounded by everybody. I, 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 the next loop, the next loop in Lubbock is going right in front of my church, stupid people. And it's going right there, and everybody's going to see us. But I had people tell me, why don't you just give up, Todd? You only got seven people. Do something else or go get a church that's established. But here's why. You can't just walk away when you've carried something and you went through the pain of birthing it. And when something came out of your womb and you see it dying, you will pray that thing back to life you will speak life to it you won't let it die because it shall live in the name of Jesus amen, amen. she sees the dream die on her lap he died on her lap and she remembered it was the anointing that prophesied my son into existence it was the anointing of God and so she takes him and, and, and she lays him back on the preacher's bed or she lays him back on top of her offering because if she would have never been faithful to build the room, she would have never had a place to lay her son. And even though it seems odd that you would add a room or that you would tithe or give offering, it seems, it seems dumb that you, you're struggling to make ends meet. And then the preacher's telling you, hey, man, if you do this, God will bless you. And you're like, look here, I'm not the smartest person uh, in, in the church, but I could do math. And you telling me give 10 percent away and God's going to bless me. Look here, player. <laughs> I didn't just wake up last night. You subtracted, not adding. But everything in the kingdom of God is upside down. Everything in the kingdom of God is, is, is opposite. How do you know? <laughs> because I've been where you at. I tried it. I see that it works. God's work doesn't work sometimes. It works all the time. And you don't break God's laws. God's laws break you. 
And people, one of the reasons people stay broke is because they don't do what God tells them to do. And you say, preacher, are you trying to get your mon my money? I ain't trying to get your money. I tithe already. I'm going to be blessed whether the church gives or not. Y'all know, see, I can see for you. Now, we paying your bills, preacher. We paying, you, you don't pay my bills. My God, God's my provider. If, if I get in a bad shape, he'll go hit a rock and make water come out of it. Yep, my God. He'll have birds show me up dove under. Mm. Read a word. I ain't, ain't, I ain't that good with a shotgun. He'll just have birds dropping up on my porch like dove meat. Quail. If uh. he throw some bacon on that with a jalapeno. Oh, Holy Ghost. Mm. But she lays him back on her offering. Sometimes you've got to be faithful even when it doesn't make sense. And he comes by, and this is one of the most unusual miracles in the Bible. He puts his face on his face, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, and, and, and he comes back to life. Five minutes and I'm done. Listen to me, a dream always has two chances to die. First time is when it gets birthed. And sitting in this room are men and women who are this close to something dying in you. And you settled into the fact that it's just never going to pass. And if the truth be told, some of you are mad at me. Because I'm telling you to hold on to something you've already let go of. And she finally got to see her dream come true. You have to keep talking to your dream. You have to keep speaking to your dream. You have to keep prophesying over your dream. You have to keep giving into your dream. You have to keep managing your dream. You have to raise the dream. Don't let the dream die now. You've already birthed it. Pastor Jared, don't let the dream die now. You've already birthed it. Exchange Church, don't let this dream die now. You've already birthed it. You've already went through the pregnancy is here. Now you may have to burp it and change the diapers and it's going to get inconvenient because it'll cry when you want to rest and you want to send it home with somebody else. But you can't because you know it's your baby. And even though you get agitated and you get aggravated, you'll still walk over and pick it up out of the crib and pat it on its back and walk it and sing to it. And pray over it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That's the stage where this church is right now. You've got to pick that thing up. It's inconvenient. It's crying. It's, it's diapers dirty. You don't throw it out. You change them. You prophesy them. You say, you're not always going to wet your pants and mess your drawers. You're not always going to need a nipple. You're going to grow up sooner or later. And when you grow up, I can't wait to see what you've been like. Because this pastor saw you before you got grown. This pastor saw you before you got grown. Are you hear what I'm telling you? Don't give up now. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to give up. And so if you're here today and you've got an empty place, something maybe you wanted in life and something you said, it, it's just not going to happen and you're about to let it go. I've come on the day of your funeral. And I'm telling you to hold on. Because about this time, Next year, about this time next year, your situation can change if you believe it. Again, you can only receive what you believe.
And so if you settled into the fact that this is the best it's ever going to be, that's the best you're ever going to get. But watch me. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. That'll never change. That'll never change. You want it to change? Put a step forward. Because I promise if you'll take a step, God's already running to you. God's already running to you. How do you know the story of the prodigal son? The father sat on the porch. He said, looking every day. Every day that daddy stood on the porch looking for his son to come home. And then he ran to him. And when he got to him, the Bible says that he told him how sorry he was and how crappy he was and how he wasted his life. Only that's not what the Bible says. Because that's what we tend to do when we come to church is we tend to tell everybody how sorry they are and what they've done. And you've blown it. You messed up. And I, I, I got to believe that the son began to say that to his dad. I, dad, I'm so sorry, but look what the dad, he said, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. All I know is my son was lost and now he's home. Rest that stuff don't matter because that's yesterday. That's yesterday. Today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day for you to believe in your dream again. I want everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. You're here, man. Just, just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me in this message? What is it that I'm supposed to take away from here, Lord? Just reveal that to me right now. And as you're saying that prayer, your heads are bowed. You'll just be honest and you'll say, you know what, Todd? I do have a dream, man, and I've, I've given up on that thing. But I'm ready to believe again. If that's you, you know God's giving you. I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. I've given up on it. Yep, I see that. I got you. Yep, 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 yep. Once you raise it, you can put it down. Yes, sir, I got you, man. Yes, sir, got you over there. Yes, sir. I got you, brother. Anybody else? Don't miss this, man. Don't miss this. Why would you go through all the effort to go to your doctor's appointment and then not punch your prescription? You're here. You already got to the doctor. I'm giving you the prescription. It's to believe again. If that's you, I wonder if you'll take another step of faith and just let me pray with you this morning. You'll step out from where you're at and you'll come up. I just want to pray with you, man. I don't want to throw rocks at you. I don't want to condemn you. I just want to pray with you. Because I've been where you at. I've been broke, busted, and disgusted. I've given up and walked away and came back. Don't worry about what nobody else thinks in here. Nobody in here can heal you. Nobody in here can save you. Nobody in here can redeem you but Jesus. Care about nobody in here. I need some altar. You have altar workers that people can help me pray. Those, 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 those that help me pray. Come move real quickly. Trish, will you come help me? Now listen, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you. But God's the one that's going to do the work in your life. I just want you to have the confidence to begin to believe again. Because about this time next year, I believe your situation. And here's the thing about God. It don't take a whole year. It might be tomorrow. It might be the next. I don't know when. But what I want you to do is trust the Lord again. Father, you see my brothers here this morning, Lord. And the enemy has already convinced them that their best days are behind them. 
that their best days have already passed them. And Lord, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. And I come against that negative thought, that word that's been placed in them that it's not going to happen. To give up hope, to walk away. And Lord, I just speak this over them. Because sometimes we'll cry about the things that we don't have and we're like, Todd, I don't have the resources to make this happen. I don't have this to make this happen. And, 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 you, and you're telling me to believe in it? Listen, when God spoke the word to Moses, Moses said he didn't have what he needed. And God said, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, all I got is a stick. And God said, throw that stick down. And that stick became everything that he needed in order to perform the miracle in Moses' life. So anything you lost, even though it was painful, I'm going to tell you it was dead weight. And everything you need to make that dream come to pass is still on you. It's still on the inside of you if you would just dare to believe. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, let the anointing of God begin to fall over his life again. Let that trust, Lord, I call trust back out of him right now in the name of the Lord. brother doesn't trust anyone and all that easy he's been lied to doesn't make sense to you been lied to you've been betrayed and the bad thing about it is you got broke by somebody you trusted the most and I know it still hurts and I know it still brings you pain but son don't let that thing lock you up in a prison because you're sitting there saying, nobody's ever going to do that to me. Nobody's ever going to cause me to feel this way again. And you've locked yourself up. And yeah, nobody gets in to break you. But nobody gets out so you can love. And so, Lord, I just, I break down that wall right now in the name of Jesus. I break down that wall in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin to soften his heart again. That he would begin to trust again and believe again. Father, that, that, that forgiveness will show up, Lord, and let that thing go. Because bitterness is drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. So we release them right now. We release the person, whoever the offense again, we release them in, they, in the name of Jesus. And I speak restoration over my brother right now. And I am believing his best days are ahead of him. And I call that anointing back out on his life, that anointing to share the gospel of Christ, Lord. I call that back out of him. He may feel like he's been disqualified. He may feel like he's unqualified. But you equip all of those things, Lord Jesus. And if you're not dead, God's not done. You trust that? You've got an anointing in your life, man. What do you do? like you've been to church today. Come on, give God a good shout of praise, man.
Oh, you got new better than that. We're not talking about because they got your order right at the restaurant. We're not talking about the boy that mows your yard. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that beside him there is no other. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you for allowing me to be here. My prayer is that this was a timely word. My prayer is that you take this and you put this word to work because it'll work if you work it. It'll work if you work it. So prophesy over that thing every day. Call that thing to life. And then find somebody to pray with you. Listen, the worst thing you can do is do life alone. Do life together. Get involved in community. I'm assuming you got community groups here in the church. Get involved with some community. Peace out. I don't like everybody in my community group. Well, then start one. Quit crying about what you don't have and be, be a solution, not a problem. I, boy, you, you wouldn't make it at my church. I tell people that. Don't you come up here and expect me to have all the answers. What's your answer? Well, I ain't got one. Well, me neither. Let's go to Church's Chicken and get a glory box. Y'all got Church's Chicken in Houston? You ever got one of them glory boxes? Huh? You know, when you bite it in the leg and the grease run on your shirt? Ah! That's a glory box. But instead of it flowing down Aaron's beard like in the Bible, it goes down your chest. It's called grease and it's good for you. Thank you, Pastor. I love you. God bless you, man. Pastor Jed, it's all you, man. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.